Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. Health is everything. Health is everything. La santé est tout. Health is everything. Hi, I'm Dr. Charles Raison. I'm a psychiatrist and research scientist, and you're listening to Health is Everything, a podcast from the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health. Despite unprecedented wealth, security, and opportunity, rates of suicide have risen more or less continuously over the last generation. Young people who have their entire lives before them have been especially hard hit. And you know, although we usually think of suicide as an individual problem, in this podcast, Chikaka Ozawa da Silva, who is an associate professor of anthropology at Emory University, really shows us how intimately suicide is connected with aspects of modern life that generate loneliness. We talk about our recent book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, Suicide, Social Connection, and the Search for Relational Meaning in Contemporary Japan, which chronicles how a growing sense of alienation within Japanese society has resulted in problems ranging from hikikomori, the practice of young people shutting themselves away from the world for long periods of time, to internet group suicide, in which people actually voluntarily choose to commit suicide as a group with other people so they can die in the company of others, really to avoid enduring a natural death that they feel would be so completely alone. We talk about how Japan may be a worrying bellwether for other developed nations in which loneliness increasingly means being unseen, unrecognized, unsafe, and unloved. And although there are no magic bullets, Dr. Ozawa da Silva's unique perspective offers hope for ways we might be able to work together as a society to reduce many of the sources of alienation that are driving so many people to end their lives. Health is everything. Thank you, Chicago. I appreciate you taking time to talk with us. You and I have known each other for years and years and years and been interested in a lot of the same things. Your recent book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, touches upon things that I'm also very interested in. And, you know, your book is based in Japan, but a lot of it is relevant to our lives here. Let me just start with a general question. Tell me the story. How did you come to write this book about loneliness, suicide, social connection in Japan? So that was around the time, you know, Japan experienced this sudden rise of suicide. And I started noticing there is a new type of suicide called internet group suicide. It sounded peculiar, but that was how I started following so-called suicide websites to understand the people's subjective mental pain and experience. And then when I realized that so many people say, I'm so lonely to the point that I wish that I can die with somebody. It sounds very tautological, but you know, if you are suffering from loneliness, at least I want to end my life, not alone. And I realized that underlying deep cause of suicide is loneliness. And in 311, this like natural triple disaster that hit Japan. And when I was um, following and interviewing survivors, I also learned a different form of loneliness that these people as a community were experiencing because they felt they were neglected. Their suffering was not even recognized, acknowledged, and that was a form of loneliness. So loneliness was like overarching theme that was kind of connecting so many different groups of people I was uh, interacting with. So that's kind of how I ended up 
writing so much about loneliness. Is there? I mean, loneliness is, I think, many, many places in the modern world, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, is Japan lonelier than other places? How unique was what you saw to Japan? Is it just sort of a magnified version of what many of us are going through here? Or was it really a very different thing? Yeah, I mean, that's a very important question. And I actually often say that, unfortunately, Japan is the leading country regarding you know, the lonely society. I think you know, Japanese society has been showing a number of symptoms, right? Like rise of suicide among adolescents happened, increasing number of anxiety, hikikomori that is known as you know, social withdrawal or shut-ins. That has been noticed since early 1980s. But as you know, in the U.S., all of these things have been happening. If anything, you know, U.S. is like following the suit of what Japan has been experiencing heading to. In some way, there is nothing unique about what's happening in Japan that is part of the kind of uh, collective experiences in what I call, you know, late capitalist societies, which have certain kind of values, social ideologies, prioritizing productivity that always put us into a very competitive mindset. Am I good enough? Am I meeting this expectation in a standard? And that's like the society that collectively judge people based on the instrumental value rather than inherent value. As long as we are productive, we have self-worth. And, you know, I guess, you know, I sort of, so, you know, I'm older, I'm in my 60s. And, you know, when I was a kid, Japan was burning up the road. I think many of us in the United States saw it as this sort of exemplary society that was hugely productive, hugely effective, hugely sort of organized and coherent. And I wonder, you know, if that's what you're judging yourself by, if that's what your society is judging yourself by, if you can't maintain that sort of productivity, you've sort of lost your reason for being, I guess. Actually, that... That's actually is a really good aspect about, you know, the post-World War II Japan. Maybe one of the reasons that the Japan happened to be a leading society regarding the lonely society is that in the post-World War II Japan, basically part of this rapid economic growth was based on what is known as a you know, family corporate system. So based on the college you went to, you'll be employed by a company and a company is there to train you. But that means as long as you are actually hard worker, you are almost like, you know, faithful to your company. So that creates certain kind of mentality, right? There's a kind of collective value and ethos about what it takes to be successful. So that was Japan up until like maybe early 1990s. Eventually, one of the prime ministers in Japan introduced a more neoliberal employment system. So it really changed the sort of infrastructure. Losing jobs, the kind of lifetime employment security is no more. So that really upset people's sense of morality and what their life is for. I think that's probably why the jarring experience very sped up the Japanese society to be such a lonely society. So there is like no end to that if you prioritize productivity over other sets of values in society. 
That would be my sorry long way of answering. Mm-hmm. No, but that's a, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. But something in the book that strikes me uh, is, I mean, you give a nice definition of loneliness, and we should probably talk about that. But I was also really struck by something you're alluding to now already, which is the lonely society. Because I, I tend to think about loneliness as an individual thing. Yeah. Something you, that, that I would like to hear more about is this idea that loneliness is, can be a shared societal thing. If you could just talk a little bit about what you mean when you use the word loneliness and how that differentiates from being alone, but also this idea of the lonely society, that is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is a, I think we tend to talk about loneliness in a quite narrow way. I think I came to realize over time that loneliness is not just about social isolation. It is about like loss, abandonment, being in exile. Loneliness also means like feeling unseen, unrecognized, uncared for, uh, marginalized, unsafe, and unloved. Fear of social rejection itself is a form of loneliness. When I was reading post-it narratives among suicidal young Japanese, I really came to realize that the sense of not being recognized, not being acknowledged, these are a big part of when people are experiencing loneliness. And uh, I think in psychology, I think John Cacioppo has a very wonderful and short definition of loneliness, that it is a perceived social isolation. But I add the word felt. So meaning loneliness is a perceived and felt social isolation. So my definition of loneliness is a little bit lengthy. I define loneliness as feelings of dissatisfaction that arise with regard to relationships to others or to the environment. So the reason I added the word environment is because places also play major roles in our experience of loneliness. We don't have relationships with people only. We also have relationships with certain places. Separation from a safe and loving environment is a universal experience. So I think that's why I see loneliness is a universal human experience. And you're talking about, yeah, loneliness being both individual and a social problem. So if we take this broader and a deeper understanding of loneliness, then it is not surprising that loneliness has all sorts of physical and mental health consequences. Loneliness is not feeling safe. And not feeling safe means seeing your environment as more threatening place rather than safe place. Then you have chronic stress. So I came to the realization and understanding that loneliness is ultimately a form of chronic stress. I think that's the cost of loneliness at the individual level, basically mental and physical health impact. When you talk about the cost of loneliness to society, I use the term lonely society intentionally. Um, Lonely society is a society that makes people feel not meaningful and a society that focuses on 
in instrumental values and productivity to the exclusion of inherent values of each person, a society that is built on division rather than community and common humanity. So basically, you know, there are societies in which the structure of the society promotes a sense of loneliness rather than one of, you know, belonging and connection. And I think that is unfortunately a common condition among so many highly developed societies. Yeah. Well, that means so much, so much of what you said. I mean, also something that strikes me that I've been really interested in is this idea that, that one of the challenges of the modern world is if you love a place, it's very likely to vanish on you, right? You know, it's, it's a painful thing. And I think that is a quintessentially modern experience that most people across history, you know, environment would change a little bit here and there, but generally the, the world of your childhood would be around for your death. And, and it's just not true anymore. It's also, you know, human, there's no such thing as a mm-hmm. really the individual human being is kind of a myth. I mean, we are so connected with each other that it's just yeah. stunning. Yeah. You know, even this illusion of individual, right? Because, uh, I think that uh, developmental psychologists would agree with me because from the moment of birth, right, you start existing within the womb of your mother. That was your entire world. And that was the safest place. So, you know, the moment of birth may be the beginning of loneliness. That's part of the condition. And even the sense of who we are, the sense of self individual, it takes other people. Initially, your mom. You need somebody who is not you to have a sense of what is you, right? Yes. Who you are. So we are inherently interdependent creatures. Yeah. And uh, that's why we need to feel safe. And when we don't feel safe, we feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's also, you know, it, it's, it touches a little bit upon sort of the questions I take up in the back part of the book. So what are potential solutions? What are the key things? Obviously, reducing loneliness, but how do we think about that? So again, you know, loneliness is a big problem. So there is no quick solution. There is no silver bullet. No matter what we do, it takes time. But I think, you know, one of the potentially powerful ways to change your society, social values would it be probably through education? I'm talking about K to 12, you know, from the young age. You know, if kids can kind of like learn that how empathy and compassion are valuable aspects and skills to cultivate. And that's why I'm very interested in Emory's C learning, you know, social, emotional, and ethical learning, because I think that's what the C learning is trying to do and how important it is. And even having a sense of interdependence, maybe that's a very healthy insight that we might be able to benefit. CBCT, you know, cognitively-based compassion training would be a good one for adults. And then Nikon, this Japanese contemporary practice is also, I think, a good practice because it really helps you to realize that you have been helped by so many other people. And by paying attention, we can increase a sense of gratitude. So that is one. But in terms of at the very individual level, perhaps accepting loneliness is a very important first step. 
Just realizing it happens to everyone. It's a common universal human experience. Just accept the reality that we are experiencing loneliness right now. And um, to also know it is not going to be permanent. You know, even the feelings of loneliness comes and goes. It's temporary. So I think that kind of patience could be very helpful. And um, accepting others, you know, because we tend to look down upon people. And then thirdly, you know, accept oneself. I think, you know, if we can cultivate the sense of self-worth that is independent of other people's approval, not at the mercy of other people's judgment, that would be, I think, really, really healthy. And I guess, you know, find one's ibasho. Ibasho means a niche or place to belong in Japanese. That could be also a very powerful tool. And ultimately, build a system of acceptance. And that would be, you know, probably next step and an important aspect to think through. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a paradox. When you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, I often tell, when I'm teaching a class, I often say that we exist in the eyes of others in ways that we just don't. It's very hard for us as humans to recognize how overwhelmingly that's true, you know. This is worth a thought about how, on the one hand, recognizing interdependency, recognizing how deeply connected we are with others, and yet, on the other hand, recognizing that there are things we can do that allow us to sort of have a more internally stable sense of existence and, and self-worth. Yeah, yeah. One thing maybe distinct about Japanese society is there is even more intense level of this sense of, you know, I am seen by others all the time. That may be why hikikomori was something that happened in Japan like much earlier on, even though nowadays it is also reported shut-ins are observed elsewhere. So again, you know, what might appear so distinctive and unique in Japanese society is not that unique either. Yep. And I think also the online world kind of exacerbates both directions, right? So in one way, you're sort of cut off from these more intimate connections that can be more supportive. On the other hand, you know, you are just awash in this sort of image because people work so hard to create these online images. And then if it's really a problem, it's kind of exacerbating these these core human challenges, right? Um yeah, yeah, because what happens is you're creating this sort of illusion, but the person, persona, that's like what you want to be, what you want to project upon other people. Yeah. You are seeing other people's life with a rosy colors lens, mm-hmm. and you might end up feeling so pathetic about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you uh, sort of winding up? What, what's your next project? So interesting thing was that when I was writing this book. In one chapter, I was talking about compromise intimacy in Japan. I used the word commodification of intimacy. So there are so many forms of commodified intimacy that you can buy. You can purchase commodity to the point you can even buy an hour to have somebody who will sleep next to you. There's nothing sexual with this kind of experience. So some people purchase that as well. There is even a business that I only read, so I haven't really visited this establishment, but you can order a delivery person who will come to your place and he'll play very sad and disturbing movie. 
so that you can cry. It's called a crime man service or something. You know, this, I mean, this compromised intimacy or commodification of intimacy is really alarming sign. And clearly, lack of intimacy is also, you know, what we mean by loneliness, right? So I actually am going to uh, explore intimacy in marriage and also intimacy through the lens of a loss because loneliness is also grieving. So it would be a kind of almost like a continuity of this loneliness, but exploring loneliness through intimacy and marriage. Yeah. Yeah. That commodification thing is just fascinating. And if that intimacy is commodified, it's a function. It's not a being as much, right? It allows you to sort of feel like, but there's no internal reality on the other side that's Mm -hmm. consistent with the behavior. You know, the co-sleeping person is not sleeping with you because they want to sleep with you because that's their job, right? You know. So it's just interesting. I wonder if there's something there that's intriguing of commodifying how we think about Mm -hmm. our connections. Yeah. What does it mean? Are we having more difficulty of having, you know, you could say genuine intimacy, not just function, but that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. You know, is it that you get to a certain place and you'd rather have the easier, you know, sort of commodified version that doesn't come with the challenges, the connections, the strings, the it's easier in some ways, but it lacks something. It's like it you know, over-promises and under-delivers in terms of what the heart needs. I think. Yeah, that is not the whole human experience. No, no definitely not. Mm-hmm. Chicago, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. It was wonderful having a conversation with you, really. Maybe, yeah, more to discuss. You know? More to come, more to discuss. Absolutely. Health is everything. Thank you for listening to Health is Everything. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, or rate it on Apple Podcasts. You can visit us at exploringhealth.org and follow the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health at CSHH or at Exploring Health on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. Health is everything. Health is everything. La santé est tout. Zdrowie est tout. Afianiki lakito. Zin kondisi apki. Health is everything.